I don't know if you're aware, but here at the beginning of uh, this new year and at the beginning of every new year, it's kind of a big season for churches around our nation. Uh, usually there's two times where people kind of kick the tires on church here in the new year as uh, resolutions kind of kick in. I want to get back to church. If that's you, great to have you. If you're here in a room, hi, I'm Mark. It's good to see you if you're online watching us because that's where everybody starts these days. Let's make sure they're not yo-yos. Uh, but if you're online watching us, it's great to have you. It's at the beginning of the new year. It's at the beginning of the school year that you see the biggest influx of people into churches. And uh, it's always, you know, uh, been interesting to me uh, how people pick the church that they're going to worship at. Certainly, I would encourage everybody to do the, the important work of, of figuring out what a church believes. Uh, you know, go onto our website. You can see our creed there. Make th sure there's no wonky theology going on as you seek to follow God. Uh, follow him in a place that will lead you to him and not from him. Is everybody with me on that? We seek to do that here. But then things get kind of subjective, right? Like y'all are sitting here and not in some other box today because you're like, eh, I'm vibing with Bay Life. It's cool. Or it's cool enough, right? Certainly every church could change some things. We could, I'm sure in your opinion, be better here or there. But we're good enough or, or comfortable enough for you that you're here. You don't mind the size. You love that we don't get dressed up, right? You're like, cool, I can get with that. Uh, now we, uh, uh, you know, we, we sing the songs we sing. I teach the way I teach. Uh, there's just all kinds of things that you're like, yeah, check, 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 I'm there. There's stuff for my kids. There's, uh, there's other people like me here. I can find, you know, those who I might be able to connect with in life. Uh, those are all kind of subjective points. I want to encourage you not to be too finicky, though. Sometimes we just get silly with the things that, uh, you know, we set as determiners for, you know, our church attendance or our church belonging. Remember, this is a true story. Uh, when I was first here, it was 18 years ago, but when I first here, I met a woman. Uh, we, we got to know each other. We had a great, you know, friendship relationship. She came to our church, and then she wasn't here, which happens in churches every once in a while. And, uh, and then she came back like three years later, and I said, where have you been? Three years, where'd you go? She said, oh, I went to another church. I said, well, can I ask you just, you know, what, what made you not want to be here anymore? And she said, well, you, you guys didn't have the sugar-free vanilla creamer at the cafe that I like. <laughs> true story. And so I just punched her as hard as I could. No, I didn't do that. I, I, <laughs> I felt like doing that. Uh, but that's, uh, that's not a good reason to not be at a church. Does everybody get me? There's no perfect churches. In fact, let me just, this is kind of a, it's not, this is extra bonus material. Um, there's no perfect churches, and in fact, if there were and you went to them, it would cease to be a perfect church. You know why? Because you're not perfect. Neither am I. Are you with me? And so here, here's the mission that I would have for you. If it's here, if you're kind of kicking the, you know, the tires on this place, and this is your place, stay. Stick around. Work through the things that you don't like. Find, you know, be patient in finding the people that God's going to bring you to a place. Don't be a hopper. I know there's lots of great boxes and lists. I call churches boxes. There's lots of great places where you could go. Go there if that's where God wants you. But if you're here, commit to being here. Okay, there, back to the sermon. I, uh, I don't know what went into you picking this particular church on this particular day for you and your family, but let me tell you, I'm glad you did. Glad you're here. But as we move forward today, I want to kind of shift from this focus on why you picked the church, and I want to instead talk about why God picked you for this church. Everybody understands that about our God, right? He's in 
He's in control. He's sovereign and in charge. In fact, if you're sitting here today, you might think, well, I woke up and decided that I was going to be here. I would tell you that that was a part of the parcel, but God led you here. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you might think, yeah, I figured the whole gospel thing out and I, you know, as a younger person or even more recently, you know, decided that I was going to follow Jesus. Here's what I'd tell you. The Bible makes it clear that God chose you to follow him as much as you chose to follow him. I'm not going to take the time in this sermon to talk about predestination and election and all these theological ideas that kind of, you know, give us the rails for this way of thought. But, uh, but I will tell you that if you will follow Jesus, it's because Jesus prompted you by his spirit to be interested in. How do I know that? Because in Ephesians it tells us that when we're lost and in our sin, we are dead. There's not a spiritual pulse in us. And so if, if we've responded to God and if we've understood that he's real and not this myth that other people think that he is, if we've uh, accepted his son Jesus, it's all because his spirit has lifted, as it says in Hebrews, the veil that covered our eyes and he's enabled us to see the truth. So God chooses us in the same way that Jesus came to earth and chose his early followers. God chooses us to follow him. It's not because we're lovely or lovable, but it's because he loved us. It tells us in 1 John that um, we love him because he first loved us. He's the initiator in this relationship that you and I, many of us, share with him. So why did God choose us? The same reason he does whatever he does, to glorify himself. That's the wow of our God. We learned this last week. If you were hanging out with us last Sunday, uh, we studied a, a portion of, of Romans uh, in chapter 11, and we, we kind of were hoping in that sermon, go back and watch it if you didn't have a chance, to just regain the awe that we should have for this God that we serve, to find our wow for him. As part of that, we read in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, these words, for from him, from God, and through him, through God, and to him, to God, are all things. So everything in existence originates from him. He's the creator. Everything in existence sustains because of him. Everything is through him. And then finally, everything ends up being to him. He's the end game. Everything that exists is funneling towards him and is all for his glory. That's why Paul finishes that refrain with to him be the glory forever. Amen. So if you want me to answer that question, why did God choose me? It's for his glory. But I want to kind of drill down a little bit deeper today. I want to get really practical in at least one area of why God has chosen us for himself. And that's this, God chooses us so that we might be a help to others who would choose him. God chooses us to help others choose him. We are God's messengers. Not just me, because I get paid by a church to do it. Not just Billy Graham or whoever the equivalent is these days, the big evangelists that go on television and have these big crusades. But everyone who has Jesus is meant to be a messenger for Jesus. You know what we're like? We're like those guys uh, who stand on the corner and advertise for the store that they're adjacent to. There's this, uh, it's not there anymore, but uh, there's this, uh, Siri's talking to me, hang on. There's this, uh, uh, used to be a puppy store at the corner of, uh, 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 where do I live? 
Gorntow Lake, and thank you, Gorntow Lake in 60. Anybody been driving towards the highway? And, and you'd see that they, they started with one, but then eventually, they, when they were in existence, uh, they, they got to two people standing out there with a bone sign in the shape of a bone that said puppies. And these two high school students, I'm assuming, would basically just sit there and they'd twist it around their back. And anybody seen these people that, you know, at, at tax season, there's always some, you know, uh, poor lady or man uh, that's dressed up like the Statue of Liberty down here, right? You know, for whatever company that is that wants to do your taxes for you. Um, we pay as businesses these people to stand on the sideway and basically be these human billboards. Everybody look at me. Guess who the human billboards are for Jesus and his gospel? Everybody take your finger and just point to everybody in the room. If you follow Jesus Christ, that's you. Now, you don't have to stand on the side of the road and spin your Bible. You don't have to do that. But you have to be ready when God gives you opportunity to be a messenger for him. Why? Because uh, when Jesus leaves in Matthew 28 uh, to go... Uh, to prepare a place for us, as he spoke of in John. He says, uh, he's about to ascend into heaven, and he says to his friends, go and what? Make disciples. We, we take this mission that has been given to the church, and we put it this way in our words. We live here at Bay Life to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. Now, can't go deep dive on discipleship, but basically, let's all agree that uh, the disciple-making process is just like so many other processes. There's a, there's a beginning and a middle and an end, right? The big theological terms that we throw out for that are salvation, finding Christ and beginning your you know, life with him, sanctification, which is growing in that faith, and then ultimately glorification, which is you uh, leaving this world as you physically die and being with Jesus forever, or Jesus coming back, who's ready? I'm ready. Jesus coming back and us being in life with him forever, that's our glorification. Now, that's future, all right? In this life that we live, we have our salvation, which happens once when we put our faith in Jesus, and the rest of it's sanctification. So those are the discipleship pieces, the process that we go through, salvation, sanctification, and glorification. The churches, in their, um, their balance or in their pie chart, often overemphasize sanctification to evangelism or salvation. We become consumed with those who are already found and forget those who are still lost. Like if you went to any church, this was a, a study that was done years ago, but uh, you know, a, a, an organization basically polled churches and they found out that typically most churches take about 80, 85% of their resources and their program and they focus it on those who are already found. Let's disciple those who are already with us. That leaving just 15% of their effort and resources to be focused in on the lost. <laughs> um, this is what I would say, is an imbalanced uh, discipleship approach. It's way too much on the back end, not enough on the front end. And there's going to be implications in the church globally if uh, that continues to be the way that churches operate. That's why it's so important that we as his messengers take seriously this, this opportunity that we've been given to, to share the good news. Maybe this will help. I, uh, I like pizza. Uh, and so... Uh, uh, Marco's is this, uh, this pizza, you know, place that's in our town, and, and, and one of their shops is down, uh, I can never remember the, the name of the streets, but it's down there by Withrop, Winthrop uh, in near Riverview, and uh, we walked past it the other day, Eleanor and I, as we were eating at a different restaurant, and, and we looked in the, in, the, in the restaurant, Marco's restaurant, and we were amazed by the number of boxes 
that these, you know, uh, employees had been, you know, I'm sure charged by their manager to make. I mean, we're, we're talking floor to ceiling, just surrounding the perimeter of this restaurant. There's some tables you could eat at, but I'm guessing through COVID, they're mostly doing a, a delivery, you know, business. And so they just want to be ready, uh, whether it's in-house uh, or certainly if it's going to be a delivery, uh, for the pizzas that will fill these empty boxes. So let's, let's liken this empty box to the sanctification process or programs that churches uh, do. Uh, we are ready for those who trust Jesus to grow in their faith, right? We've set things up so that we can disciple the found. But if we have all of these boxes prepared and no pizzas coming in, well, we're going to head in the wrong direction. Uh, this is the all-meat Marcos pizza. I can't wait for this service to be over because this, this is going in, baby. This is going because I've been standing here last night and today showing this to you guys. This is the pizza. This is the reason for the box. Everybody gets that, right? The reason for the box is the pizza. The reason for the church is, if I can use these terms, for us to go and make pizza, make disciples, so that everything that we have that is uh, ready for them, to, to provide for them, and, and, and to be used uh, in discipling and deepening them, being given to them. How dumb it would be for Marcos to have a bunch of boxes and no pizza oven. They, they couldn't make what they were hoping to fill the boxes with. And how dumb is it for churches to have all of these programs ready to disciple people, but no one goes out and shares the gospel with anybody who can come in and then be discipled in those programs? It just doesn't make sense. And alarmingly, that's more the norm in churches these days than it's ever been before. Let me throw some stats at you. How about these? 71% to 47%. I pulled this from a Washington Post article that appeared in the paper uh, uh, on March 29th of this past year that reported that for the first time uh, since we've been keeping count, uh, the, the population of America has fewer people belonging to a church or a synagogue or a mosque uh, than there are who don't. So we've gone below the 50% line. Only 47% of people in America ascribe to any place of worship. Um, 20 years ago, that number was 71%. Is everybody getting the, the flow here? Now, one of the reasons that that is probably happened is because in the Christian church, uh, all kinds of attitudes are changing about sharing this message that is given us to share. In 1993, according to a, a Barna group poll, um, if you asked a Christian who's responsible uh, to share the gospel, uh, nine out of ten Christians, 90% of them would say, us, Christians. It's a part of the Christ life for us to be uh, available in, in sharing the good news. You ask that same you know, group of people, uh, that question today, it's gone down to 60%. I don't know what the 30%, uh, you know, who have been added to those who think, ah, it's not our responsibility. I don't know what they've been taught or, or what emphasis has been given them in their, their following of Jesus, but, but we're losing ground. That's why, according to one other study, uh, 34 different Protestant denominations were polled. Uh, and in the last year, 2020, sure, COVID and all that stuff, but in 2020, 4,500 churches shut their doors. 
That's a lot of churches. In the same time, only 3,000 churches uh, were planted or opened their doors. Um, I think that's probably for lots of reasons, uh, but, but perhaps um, the church's dullness, unwillingness to accept the call that they've been given by Christ, to be the messengers of Jesus, and to just kind of circle the wagons and take care of the found. It's, uh, it's leading, perhaps, to our de- demise. So many churches, um, they grow because uh, the sheep who are a part of them move to a different pasture. We call it the big sheep swap yeah, in church circles. And just so you know, look at me, everybody listening online or everybody here in the room, I'm not interested in Bay Life Church growing because somebody got mad at the last place or we have sugar-free vanilla creamer. I'm not interested in us being the most comfortable place for the found to gather. I, I, let's do that. Let's be as good as we can. But, but listen, let's grow because Jesus gives us the opportunity to share his good news with people who don't know it yet. And let's see them trust Christ, and let's see them come in. Let's make some pizza and fill this box. Are you with me? You will be. Two things today as we go to Romans chapter 10. I want us to be clear on what the good news is. In fact, I want to be so clear that maybe you're sitting here and you thought, you know, um, I'm a Christian because my parents are. I'm a Christian because I'm sitting in a Christian church. I want to clear up for you any of the, 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 the misnomers, the, 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 the un- misunderstandings that you can have about the gospel so that you can know for sure whether you follow Jesus or you don't. We're going to talk about that uh, as we seek to know our good news. But then I want to finish by talking to all of us who know Jesus and encouraging us one more time as we begin this new year to be the billboards, to be able to share the gospel, to get over our fears or our our, our forgetfulness or our dullness uh, in that pursuit and to be available to God in doing what he's called us to do. Let's talk about knowing our good news first. It says in Romans 10 verse 9 that if we or you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. The Christian religion is different from all the other religions in that we are not a do religion, we are a done religion. Here's what I mean by that. We don't have a a bunch of things that we have to do to appease the God that we believe in. We just have to accept and, and by faith receive from him what he has done for us through his son on the cross. And if we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, Paul says here, we're saved. Now, can't go into all the ins and outs of that, but let me cover the two most important ones. What, what he's basically saying there is that there is this confession, this outward uh, evidence of an inward belief that, that basically um, uh, is, is what it is to be saved. Confession there is the Greek word homologesis. Everybody say homologesis. Nice try. Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, it's, it's basically two Greek words, homo meaning same, and logesis or logos meaning words. And so when you confess something, you're saying the same words. You're, you're basically taking an oath. You're, you're committing your life uh, to whatever it is that you're saying. It's this outward, visible faith 
that's tied to this inward heart faith. When you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it, it emanates from there and it shows up out here. Uh, we see that uh, evidenced in, in uh, the, the, the food that we eat. Uh, 80 people were up here yesterday, Saturday morning, serving in this garden that we got behind us. I don't know if you know this, but we got this community garden. Guess what? The community found out. They're just coming. There's tons of folks who aren't a part of our church or are back there, you know, growing whatever they're growing. Tons of those garden beds are, are basically uh, set up so that we can harvest whatever, you know, grows there and give them to our, our partners who, you know, do food banks. Yesterday they took 100 uh, pounds of produce over to Echo to be dispersed this week, uh, you know, through the food bank there. Pretty cool stuff, right? But here's the deal. Now, if you go back there, if you've got a garden of your own, um, the way God created plants to work is that you put the seed in the ground, water it, let it give, you know, give it some time, let the sun shine on it, and then eventually that seed's going to turn into a plant and it's going to produce whatever that seed is meant to produce. If you plant broccoli, Rudy, you're going to get broccoli. It's the root and fruit principle. And this is the same thing that governs true salvation. There's the root belief, the inner belief, but it shows up in the fruit, the, 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 the actual choices and practices of your life. You're not going to be perfect, but you're heading in the direction of what you say you believe with your life. That's why when you get to the parable of the sower in Matthew, Jesus talks about lots of seeds that hit the ground, but there's only some, one seed that really produces and grows. Lots of it gets choked out, but, but there's a seed, there's a root, and then there's a fruit. There's, there's this combination of the inward and the outward. It says in Romans 10, verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth or with the outer expressions of his life, he confesses and is saved. They're, they go together. Eleanor and I went to uh, Illinois for a few days to visit family. We got an Airbnb while we were there. And uh, technology's awesome because now you don't even need a key. They don't have to hide a key anywhere. You just download an app. The app that we used was an app called August, which I have no idea why it's called that. It doesn't have anything to do with keys. But uh, you, you download this app, and then you go to Airbnb, and, and it basically gives you the address of the place where you're staying. And somehow, through the miracle of science, which I do not understand, your phone talks to this electronic lock. And if you push the button, it opens it. So cool, right? Of all the apps that are on my phone that week, I used that one the most. You know why? I wanted to sleep in there. But here's the deal. You got phones. You got all kinds of stuff that you've downloaded. Maybe you haven't used it. This is what I'm saying about salvation. It's not just you mentally assenting to the truths of God and his scriptures. It has to be something that changes, revolutionizes your life. You've got to use it. It's the download and the use that we're talking about here. Let me say uh, maybe in a different way. Uh, if you're a fan of the Bucks, hope they win today, right? But if you're a fan of the Bucks and, and, and you're going to go to a Bucks game at an away team's field, if you're unwilling to wear the jersey to that game, I would question your fandom. Because true fans would wear the laundry of wherever they're going and wouldn't fear being associated with a team that's not preferred by the majority of the people in the stands. Are you with me? That to me is the outward meeting the inward. You believe it enough to do it. Conversely, I think there's lots of people, maybe even some sitting in here, who are habitual in their Christian expressions, but they really haven't understood in their hearts that Jesus is Lord. 
They haven't accepted that to be true. In fact, when push comes to shove, you're out of here because your outside hasn't matched with your inside. I was watching the, the videos uh, of our you know, younger years, Eleanor and I, we got to the, to the uh, scenes where our, our son Ben was born. It's 27 years ago. And uh, to my horror, I'm pictured in all the shots as I'm holding my you know, just out son uh, wearing a New York Yankees hat. Let me cover this real quick. It's a fitted cap. And a fellow youth pastor friend of mine, uh, his wife had bought him this cap for Christmas, but he got the wrong size. He got him a seven and three quarters size cap. That's a huge melon, and that's what I've got. And so she just happened to have it on this day that the, the four of us met, and she's like, yeah, uh, there's no way that, you know, my husband's going to be able to wear this, uh, but it's your size. It's a really nice hat. It costs like 35 bucks at the time. He said, you know, do you want it? And I was like, yeah, I don't like the Yankees, but, you know, maybe I could wear it while I'm working in the yard or just wipe the sweat off me somehow or something like that. Uh, sure, I'll wear it, right? But, but on the night that Ben was born, Eleanor was singing in the church that I worked at, uh, I think it was I is on the sparrow, something like that. But uh, her water breaks as she's singing this song. She comes off stage and, and it's confirmed that this is what's happening. We're about to have a baby. Someone walks down to the front and taps me on the shoulder and says, you're having a baby. And I went, <laughs> and so I ran out of the church and I ran or I drove to my house quickly with my wife with me and we grabbed the bag. And then as I'm leaving that night to go and, you know, become a father for the first time, for whatever reason, I just reached where all the hats were without thinking. I threw this one on my head, and it just so happened to be this Yankee hat. So here I am, a, you know, a, a diehard, lifelong Red Sox fan, and I'm wearing the clothing, the laundry of my mortal enemy on my head as I celebrate the birth of my son. Just so we're clear, that was a mistake. But here's the deal. It would be a mistake for you. If you go through all the motions of acting Christian and show up on a consistent basis where the rest of the Christians are, but you never in your heart choose what God has given you through Christ, the two go together, the outward and the inward. We confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts. You know, today, if, if that's you, if you're someone who is I always kind of believe, but never really changed. If you're someone who has, you know, done a lot of the, you know, the pieces of the Christ life, but never truly understood or believed Jesus, I want you today to trust him for real. Come up and talk to me at the end of the service. I'd love to share with you uh, the things that we're talking about today so you can choose them for yourselves. But that's knowing your good news. Now let's talk about sharing our good news. We're God's delivery system. We're the Amazon trucks of God's message. There's, one, uh, there's a big uh, Amazon warehouse up on 92 in Seffner, right next to Armwood High School. If you go up there at the right time, you can just watch the parade of trucks leaving for their deliveries. There's hardly a day where one doesn't come down my road for my neighbor or for our house. Um, and, and, and the entire Amazon business model is predicated on delivery. Let me just peel back the curtain for you. Our entire economy Depends on delivery. Be like, no, I go get my groceries. Those groceries got to that store on a truck, people. And the same thing goes for the gospel. The gospel getting out depends on those who have it delivering it to those who need it. 
and that's us. Look what it says uh, later on in that same chapter, Romans chapter 10. Paul asks four rhetorical questions. The first one in verse 14 says this, how then will they call on him, those who don't know Jesus, in whom they have not believed? How can someone call on someone they don't know if someone doesn't tell them? They won't. They won't call on him. They don't know to. How are they, the next question, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? They can't. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? They, they can't. They won't. And how are we who are sent to preach, preach unless we are sent? Let me cover that one right now. As your pastor this year, I'm sending you to your world to be ready to share the good news that is your life. I want you to go and overcome things like uh, forgetfulness. Anybody ever forgotten to tell someone some very important news? Happens way too often for me and my relationship with my wife. Gets me in trouble. Oh yeah, we're supposed to be at dinner tonight with so-and-so. <gasps> you know, right? And, and we're guilty of that as Christians. Sometimes we just forget to. Sometimes, uh, probably more than sometimes, we're afraid to. I don't want to share my faith because I don't want to mess it up. I don't know enough. I'm going to try to help you with that in just a second. Uh, I'm going to say the wrong words. It, it, it's, it's going to lead people farther from him as, as opposed to closer to him. Can I just encourage you? Uh, some of the most amazing conversion experiences that I've ever been, uh, by God's grace, involved in started with me botching uh, the gospel presentation. Just putting things in the wrong places and saying things in the wrong way and just fumbling over my words. My buddy Brad, he had all kinds of other people kind of helping him on his way to Jesus. But uh, I remember this one night I got myself psyched up and I was going to share it. And we, we went out that night. We are just kind of hanging out. I was about to get back in my car. We had been driving in his. And I said, hey, Brad, let me just share you know, something that's really important to me. And then I launched into the worst gospel presentation ever given. And if you ask my buddy Brad who is now uh, a staunch believer in Jesus Christ. He'll tell you that he remembers that night, that moment that I blew the gospel because it was the beginning of him moving in the direction of Jesus. Here's, here's the deal, take, take, the, take the pressure off people. You don't have to be the closer, you just have to be the messenger. In fact, most people, if they're gonna follow Jesus Christ, they need to hear it four, five, six, seven times. You might just be number two, number three. Praise God if you're the one who gets to close. But don't let the fact that you didn't close dissuade you from sharing the message in the first place. In fact, can I say this? Most of the time when people say, you know what, I just haven't shared my faith, it's because they just don't care enough to do so. And I think that is outrageous if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen, you'll go on Facebook and you'll give all your opinions about whether you should be vaccinated or not vaccinated, whether you should wear a mask or not wear a mask, whether you should vote for this person or vote for this person, whether you should root for this team or root for this team. How about we set that stuff aside and put the one who matters most first in our lives enough to where we would share him with people like we share our opinions about restaurants. Are you with me? That's how lives change. But here's what our adversary wants. He wants us wrapped up in all the superfluous, all the ancillary, all the stuff that doesn't matter. He wants you to die on the battlefields of the earth and what the world values. And what I want, what God wants, is for his church to be ready to give an account 
of the joy that is within them. And so now, let me close out our time in Romans 10 with one more verse. In verse 17, it says this, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Anybody heard that one before? It's a fairly familiar uh, verse from Romans. Faith comes from hearing. That's what we've been talking about. We're his messengers. If people are going to follow Jesus, they have to hear about him from us. Okay? But don't miss what the, the second part of that verse is saying. It says, and hearing comes from the word or comes through the word of Christ. There's been lots of debate by theologians as to what that little phrase, word of Christ, Christos Logos, uh, is really saying. Some people think it's just the gospel. It's like I've been presenting it. You know, it's an inward and an outward thing. It's, it's believing and confessing. It's, that's what the word of Christ is. Some people think it's like the whole of his scripture and that we should be, you know, making sure that people understand uh, the, the whole of the Bible. And that's, both of those are great. But here's what I think uh, word of Christ is actually saying. It's saying this, that when you and I just step out and in faith share the gospel with someone who doesn't know Jesus, what happens in those moments is we cease to talk and the voice of Jesus himself comes through us. We are simply the speaker, the vessel through which the voice of Jesus speaks to the hearts of men. What, what do I pray every time I get up here and preach to you? Lord, push me aside and speak in my place. And my hope is that as I'm speaking to you, even as I'm forming the words in my head, Jesus is saying what he needs to say to his people through me. And it's the same thing that happens when you and I sit down. Doesn't that take a lot of the pressure off? All I gotta do is be willing and open my mouth and Jesus will say what he needs to say to those who need to hear. Like I said, my heart for everybody in here who is maybe unclear on the gospel is that you'll know the gospel day and respond to it. For the rest of us who are under, you know, uh, or who have by grace been, been aware and have accepted his gospel, my prayer for us is that if we've been sharing, we continue to share, or if we have never shared, that we would share for the first time this year. That's why we gave you, anybody got one of these? That's why we gave you these little booklets today. Everybody grab this. We're going to talk about it in just a second. Before we get to that, let me invite you to, to one other option. I love new things, love trying new things, figuring out new ways that we could be creative and being messengers. Uh, Shane Clark brought to me this idea uh, about discovery Bible studies. It's this idea where you could get with two or three or four or more of your friends and just basically do a Bible study with them that would, would hopefully over the time of doing that Bible study, they would you know, be able to get their questions answered and, and ultimately put their faith in Jesus Christ. It's, it's really unique. It comes out of a church in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, but I, I don't know everything about it, but I'm, I'm willing to learn. So I'm going to start teaching it on Tuesday nights at seven o'clock, uh, starting uh, two Tuesdays from now. If you want to come and join me and come and learn with me some ways that perhaps we could all be better or more useful to God in sharing his good news, uh, you can do that. Or you could join Shane on Sundays, whichever one works for you. But if, if that's you, sign up out at guest services when we're done. And, uh, and I would love to see you come and be a part of that opportunity with us. But I want everybody in here to take a second, and we're going to walk through this together. Okay? Everybody got theirs? Now, here's what I want you to do. Many of you are sitting next to a family a member or a friend or near someone that you know. Um, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to actually practice this with that person as if that person is someone that you're going to share your faith with this year. Think of them as the devil himself. No, not really. But... Uh, uh, think of them as someone who desperately needs the good news, okay? 
And I want you to, you know, even as we're reading through this, just kind of picture yourself. Maybe, here's what, this is, this is varsity, this is extra level. Maybe even write the name of someone that you would love to see come to Christ. Write it on the back of this track when you're done. And that way when you finally get to sit down, say, hey, listen, on January 9th, I wrote your name on this thing so I could share it with you. Here it is. Everybody ready? We're going to just walk through this together. I just want you to see this. Many of you know these things. It's not going to be a surprise, but I just want you to see this so that you can know that uh, sharing the gospel is possible by you. Here we go. The Bible. Everybody read these with me. Ready? Turn to someone next to you as if they're being shared this uh, by you. The Bible teaches that God loves all men and wants them to know him, but man is separated from God and his love. God is on the one side like this little, uh, you know, cliff and valley text and all the people are on the other. Why is man separated from God and his love? Who wants to guess? Good play, Christian. Because he has sinned against God. Your sins have cut you off from God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So where does this separation lead? Is everybody still following along with me? This separation leads to death and certain judgment. It says in Hebrews that man is destined to die once and after that to face the judgment that those who do not know God will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. This is the bad news. But here's the good news. There is a solution. His name is? That's, if a pastor asks you, you say Jesus. That's right. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, is the way to God. God is on the one side and all the people on the other side. And Christ Jesus himself, a man, is between them to bring them together by giving his life for all mankind. Christ died for sins once for all to bring you to God. Does this include everybody? Yes. Got to believe it does, but only those who personally receive Jesus Christ into their lives, trusting him to forgive their sins, can cross this bridge. It says in John that to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It says on the next page that Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll go in and eat with him and he with me. So how does a person receive Jesus Christ? Everyone must decide individually whether to receive him. Jesus said on the next page, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it for you. So this is the prayer. The prayer that begins this life of inward belief and outward profession and confession. It goes like this, Lord Jesus, please come into my life and be my Savior and Lord, please forgive me of my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. And you can be assured that he will do that as you pray it. Lots of times I don't have one of these, so for the sake of time, uh, and just to kind of let you know, uh, another way that you could do this is you can use uh, just whatever you got available to you, thank you, and you can actually... Do the same thing uh, like I have on several occasions, sitting in a bar <gasps> with my friends, uh, using a bar napkin to share the gospel with them. All you need to know is one verse. It's the verse Romans 6, 23. You basically draw the same cliff that you have there <clears throat> in your little booklet, and you say, listen, everybody's over here, and God is over here. And the thing that separates us from God, say it with me, is sin. But Romans 6.23 teaches us this, that the wages of sin is what? Yeah. This is what we get if we stay here. We earn from our sin death, eternal separation from God. 
But the good news is, is that God has made us a way to be able to bridge this gap that sin creates because the verse goes on to say that the free gift of God is eternal life. And people love this when they see this. Wait, wages, that's what I earn. The gift is what I receive, right? Sin is what keeps me from God, but God has made a way for me to be connected with him. Death is what I get in my sin, but life is what I get as a gift from God. How do I get this free gift from God that leads to eternal life? It's all through his son. And then you can even be cool and draw the cross, just like you got in your book. And you say, listen, for you to make this journey, it's ABC. Like if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, this is your situation. You are without him and the wages of your sin is death. But if you want to know uh, God and be in life with him, you trust in Jesus and you do that by ABC. You admit, first of all, 